The following is a message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. For more information about Durkeytown, please visit our website at www.durkeytown.org. That's D-U-R-K-E-E-T-O-W-N dot O-R-G. And uh, just to those who are watching uh, from home online, uh, make sure you say hi in the comments section. It's always an encouragement to hear from you. And we can say hi back maybe even. We have the technology to do that. It's amazing. Um, We have now for a few months been trying to re-emphasize the importance of having your Bible in church, having your Bible open, following along in the text. Uh, When the scriptures are read, you know, all of those uh, references are in your bulletin, so you can find them, you know, ahead of the service and be there when it's time. But it's super important to have your Bible uh, with you and uh, opening God's Word and listening uh, to God's Word. I'm going to read the text for us. because it's a parable, and I would like you to hear it again, even though for some of you this will be rather familiar. So uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter number 4, I'm going to read the, um, let's say I'm going to read the first 20 verses, and then I'm going to read the last section, beginning with verse 35. So, here we go, the word of the Lord. Again, uh, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Another seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and it immediately sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, Since it had no root, it was withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They, they're the ones who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. <coughs> Excuse me. 
But those who are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Now down to verse 35. And on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, and just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? It's the word of the Lord. It's for our good. <clears throat> Bless the Lord who caused all Holy Scripture to be written for our learning. Grant us that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them that by patience and comfort of thy holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of eternal life which thou hast given us in our Savior. Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as I ended the sermon last Sunday, I exhorted us to do two things. The first was to be here today. And it's so encouraging that so many are. It's been a long struggle for us, and I'm really grateful to see so many here today. Along with being here today, I asked that you might read Mark 4, verses 1 through 20 as much as possible over this past week. So that was one thing. The second thing I asked you to do was also to try and read Hebrews 3, verses 12 to 19, which is the reminder that uh, a terrible end comes to those who do not believe God and do not believe his word. Now, uh, you know, for full confession's sake, I want to tell you... I did those things this week, and not just because I was studying for a sermon, but I read them in my own personal devotion. And if you did, I'm really grateful that you did. Because the more we invest ourselves in God's Word, the more time we spend, especially in texts that we're preaching and teaching on, the more those texts begin to make sense as we listen to them in the context of a sermon or, uh, you know, like adult Sunday school. So... um, I, I was really pushed to see two things in this text that I had not seen as clearly uh, over the years that I have been around this particular parable. The first thing uh, is the kind of positioning between the parable being taught to a really large crowd and then in a very small group and then out, uh, uh, you know, applied, if you will, out on the high seas, you know, of danger. And how those things kind of came together. Mark starts us off, the boat's just offshore. Jesus is in the boat because a big crowd had showed up there to listen. And he gets in the boat and pushes offshore because the cove there in the north end of Galilee provides like a natural amphitheater. 
So we've all maybe been in situations where we've, you know, it's peaceful, it's idyllic, it's just wonderful, and, and uh, you're like, oh, it's great to be there. Sometimes church is that way, sometimes not, but sometimes church is that way, like, hey, hey you know, it was good, I'm glad we went, you know, a few people came, they seemed to like each other, it was okay. Uh, but it would have been a big crowd, really a beautiful thing to see. And that's, of course, exciting. It's exciting to be in a large crowd. It's exciting to have people with energy, uh, glad to be around. But then uh, Mark takes us to a room, and in that room, uh, in verse number 10, Jesus begins to reveal the meaning of the parable. And in that room, there's a small group of people. They're talking around the table, and Jesus is explaining what this means. And, and, and it's important because, as I pointed out back at the beginning of our uh, studies from Mark, the Gospel of Mark is, uh, is apocalyptic literature. And, and apocalyptic means it's, it reveals things. Mark is revealing to us God and his kingdom that has come in Jesus Christ and how we who are alive at this time are to relate to God and his kingdom that has come in Jesus Christ. Uh, the truth apparently is hard to take because the disciples and the other listeners aren't getting it, and so Jesus uh, tells them what's going on. There, there's a similar thing, and I, I, I was thinking about leaving this out, but I, I think it's good to know. Because Mark, when he writes his gospel, takes his cue from Daniel, the prophet. And in Daniel's prophecy, there, there's this occasion when Daniel has this, or the king has this vision, and Daniel's supposed to interpret it, and Daniel's interpret it, doesn't understand it. And I'm going to put the verse, well, I'm not going to, but they're going to put the verse up on the screen. I'm going to just read it for you, and I want you to see how this relates together. Daniel writes this, As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious. And the visions of my head alarmed me, and I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of things. Now what the angel did for Daniel that day, Jesus is doing for his disciples. And if we are tuned into the Holy Spirit right now, the Holy Spirit's going to do for us. It's my privilege to kind of try to explain this to you. But in a far greater way, the Holy Spirit of God is at work in us to show us something from the text we need to see. So that's one thing. Large crowd, small group, very important to remember. Now, the second thing the Spirit impressed upon me as I read and reread the text is in verse number two, when Jesus says, listen. Excuse me, it's in verse number three. Jesus says, listen. Now, now, I take that to mean that as he's speaking to this large crowd that had gathered, it's a beautiful setting, that they kind of were getting glazed eyes. They weren't really listening to what Jesus was saying. Uh, they were glad to be there. Maybe they came hoping to be healed. Maybe they came hoping to be fed. Maybe they came hoping to find a wife or a husband. Who knows why they were there? But Jesus is speaking, and they're hearing him, but they're not listening. And so Jesus is telling these parables, 
and I think he detects this, he discerns this, and then he says, hey, listen. And this word listen kind of plays throughout this whole text around this other phrase, if you have ears that are hearing, then hear what the Spirit is saying. Hear what is being said. Many years ago, early part of my ministry, I was called upon to provide some marriage counseling for a couple who were having challenges in their marriage, and the challenges really centered on the man's lack of hearing, or at least that's what they thought, not physical hearing, but hearing hearing. And what I discerned and what I said was, you, you, the problem isn't that you're not hearing, the problem is you're not listening. You hear the words of your wife fine, but you're not listening to what your wife is saying. You know, as I followed that man's life over now, probably two and a half decades, he's never changed. He hears, but he doesn't listen. And I think Jesus detects this in the crowd, and it's a problem for him, and so he wants them to listen to what is being said. And this brings me then to the first point in the sermon, and it's a point then about the purpose of miracles, creative teaching techniques, and kind of energy that, you know, uh, is around exciting ministry movements like the one that Jesus created. I mean, Jesus was an amazing miracle worker. Jesus was an amazing teacher. Jesus drew a crowd. I mean, they came from all over the place to hear Jesus, and again, that Jesus might do something for them. Well, we're going to put this up on the screen, and I think this is a truth that you need to pay attention to. What the anatomy of unbelief that we talked about last week in chapter 3 revealed is that disappointment, like Judas had, denial, like the family of Jesus had, or deception, like the scribes, those things will not be overcome with things that are a byproduct of ministry. Even a spirit-filled ministry like the one that Jesus of Nazareth had. While the acts of mercy that Jesus did were incredibly important, we have to remember that those things were just signposts that pointed people towards Jesus so that they might listen to what Jesus is actually saying. The one who is greater than Moses, the Moses that Chuck read about earlier, who was giving the law and the word of God to God's people, the one greater than Moses, Jesus, is facing the exact same problem that Moses faced. The people were not applying themselves to the greater truth found in the word of God that was written there in Deuteronomy, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Are you listening? Are you listening to what the Spirit is saying? Or are you know, it's drawn, uh, you know, I like the people, I like the music, I like this, the setting, I like this, I like that, you know. And you go away, and there's nothing going on inside. You've heard audibly, 
but you've not listened. To live on the bread of God's word requires leaning into the grace of God poured out to us in the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, this will be on the screen. I hope it will be helpful. No one can simply drift into the blessing of God's kingdom without effort. You can't. I can't. I mean, I can't. I can't just drift. I have to apply myself. I have to give myself. I have to give effort then that I might listen. And that's one of the reasons I'd encourage you to read Hebrews 3. The experience of the children of Israel who had all of the blessings at their fingertips but did not enter into the land. I want to remind you, evil is far too powerful for us to think that we can just drift into the blessing of God. And I think this is why Jesus incorporates the truth of Isaiah 6 when he explains the parable. Now, he doesn't, in his explanation, say, now let's everybody turn to Isaiah 6. He just quotes it. But you should see it in verse number 11. He said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. And here he quotes Isaiah, so that they may indeed see but not perceive. And may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Now, just to set the context for you very quickly, Isaiah, the statement from Isaiah 6 is, is this. The, the holiness of God has been revealed. Isaiah's like, oh no, I'm in trouble, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Oh, and I dwell in a nation of people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the Holy One. I've seen God. And then God mercifully sends the angel, touches Isaiah's lips, he's cleansed. And then the voice from heaven cries out and says, who's going to go, who shall I send, who's going to go for me? And Isaiah's like, hey, here am I, send me. That sounds really exciting, right? Until then God says this, yes, I'm going to send you, but they are not going to listen to you. Their hearts are going to be dull. And Jesus is as it were, the prophet sent who goes out to speak and looks at a crowd there in the cove in the northern ed- edge of Galilee and they're there and it's exciting and they're wanting stuff and he says, listen! <laughs> if you've got ears. If you've got ears. Listen. Lest your heart grows dull. You cannot drift into the blessing of the kingdom. You have to give effort. Which brings me very quickly to my second point. And that is, then why does Mark take us from the large crowd gathered along the shore of Galilee into someone's home and a small group and then out to danger on the high seas of Galilee? Well, I don't think Mark is like outlining an effective strategy for discipleship, although I absolutely believe that small groups is the best setting for effective discipleship. I think Mark is looking to help us understand that as we put our full confidence into God and his word, 
we will find the soil of our lives to actually be good soil. Good soil that is bearing fruit according to God's design. So there's a movement from this large crowd of people who really aren't listening into a small group of people saying, like, we don't understand. We need help to understand. Would you explain the parable to us? Which, of course, Jesus then does. And what we could say is that they are demonstrating at this point in their lives that they have good soil, that at least wants to hear that they might be taught more. I think you can take this parable and sit it next to um, another uh, Old Testament passage in Isaiah chapter 55. We're going to put it up there for you, and I'd encourage you to write it down and think back on it at another time. Listen to Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. It will accomplish that which I purpose, and it will succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Now the fruit bearing is God's. It's his to determine. But we should note that the fruit bearing comes in all kinds of different situations of life. And as we go through any number of situations and we apply ourselves to God's word, we don't just hear it comfortably, walk away from it, but we actively engage it, then fruit will be born in our lives. Sometimes fruit bearing comes in a calm, large crowd, comfortable setting, people listening to God's word, spirits working, really getting it, exciting, everybody's on edge, ready for more. That was great. Thank you, pastor. Preach, 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 you know, and people are just getting it. I know that's not happening right now, but that's okay. It's kind of a dream I have. I live in this dream world. Uh, sometimes that's all right. But fruit bearing can also come, and I think does come wonderfully in close, loving relationships around a table in a crowded room. And fruit bearing comes when we are out on the sea of life. Our boat is filling up with water. We think we're going to die. We may not make it to the other side at all. In each circumstance, Jesus says, listen. Listen. You can't live by bread alone. You've got to live by the word of God. You, you can't just drift along. You've got to apply yourself Regardless of the situation and circumstances you may be in, you have to have ears to hear and accept the words that you're hearing. Because if you do, then it will make sense of the signpost of this new kingdom age that has arrived in Jesus. And as you start to make sense then of why did he heal and why did he feed people and why were all the crowds gathered, your faith will grow. You might recall the illustration I used at the beginning of this whole series when I said that Mark's gospel is like a rope. You, you pull on the rope and the curtains open. And the light begins to shine in. And as the light shines in, you begin to see God and you begin to see his kingdom more clearly and the work of Jesus in your life. And that's the point Jesus is making 
as he continues to teach his disciples at the table. And we're going to get to this next week, verses 21 down through verse number uh, 34, when he talks to them in more parables, explaining to them the kingdom of God. And this is what we've got to get to in our lives, and we've got to keep getting at as a church. If our faith is going to be a confident faith, not arrogant, not arrogant, but a confident faith, it has to be invested in the things that Jesus is doing Jesus is saying, so that just like the disciples, when our boat gets filled up with water and everything looks like a mess, and Jesus finally says, peace be still, we look at him and we say, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey? And we worship him. We worship him. Well, this takes me to my, uh, to my third point. In the room with the disciples, Jesus explains the spiritual truth of the parable. He explains that the meaning of the four different kinds of soil uh, are four different kinds of people or hearts that hear the word of God. And so I have a question. It's kind of a bit of a trick question. But in the room that day, you have Jesus, you have some people not named, and you have the 12 disciples. So in the room that day, who has the best soil? Who has the best soil in the room that day? Huh? Jesus. Yes, Ray Demir is very good. Jesus has the best soil. It's one of those times when the Sunday school answer is the right answer. You know, because you, you think it's always supposed to be Jesus, but you're not quite sure, right? Jesus has the best soil. In the room. He is the one whose soil has been fully receptive to the purpose and power of the seed that was sown into his life. The yield of the fruit of the life of Jesus spans time, it spans culture, it spans ethnicity, it spans governments. And by the way, the fruit that has been produced in the life of Jesus will last for all eternity. I hate it when we, we go buy fruit. I don't hate when we go buy fruit. Well, I kind of do, but because we're, we're not buying candy, but we're buying fruit. And, uh, and then you bring it home, and you feel like you've got to eat it all at once or it goes bad. And, and that's not good either. Just think about something. If you are truly a Christian, you are the fruit of Jesus Christ that will never go bad for all eternity. You may get bruised every now and then. A worm may get in there every now and then, right? You may get tossed around. People may wonder if you're an apple or orange. They can't figure it out. But uh, you know what? You will be kept by God's grace for all eternity, the fruit of Jesus. People from every tribe and tongue and nation, spanning time and eternity, the soil of the life of Jesus Christ bore fruit. And here we are today living proof of his wonderful, perfect obedience. Now, we might be tempted then to look around the room and say, okay, who had the second best soil? Who had the second best soil? But that's not the question, right? That's not the question. The issue isn't to look around the room and go like, well, I wonder who it is. I wonder who has really good soil in this room, you know, or who doesn't have really good soil in this room, you know? But that's not the point. It's not how the parable works. 
The issue the parable really is forcing is for us to ask the question, do we have ears that are hearing? Mm -hmm. Jesus tells us that God is the one who decides to yield, but do we have ears that are hearing? Or do you just like to be in church? Seems like a nice thing to do. You like the comfortable accommodations. Again, you like the people. But there's been nothing at work inside the soil of your life. That's the problem Mark shows us at the beginning of the chapter. But for those of us that do occasionally get to sit around the table and we talk about the things of the kingdom, the assumptions about our soil get challenged. And we hear what, how, what other people are going through and the things that they may be facing. And we listen to those things and we start to go, well, you know, why am I having so much difficulty? Or maybe we pick up some pointers from other people who are doing discipleship and we say, hey, can you tell me about that? And we learn. And it really helps us. These assumptions, as they're challenged then, and our struggle with faith, help us to doubt our doubts. And help us to hold on to faith more strongly and to move towards Jesus because eventually we're all going to find ourselves at one time or another in a boat filling up with water wondering if we're going to make it to the other side. What resource are you going to have to fall back on if the soil of your life hasn't been cultivated and nurtured and nourished? And I think if you miss this, you'll discount the value of being immersed in loving relationships and right now in this room there's a loving relationship in a small group next sunday around a table in adult sunday school loving relationship children in their sunday school loving relationships that are being developed then when we bear one another's burdens like the song that we sang at the beginning of the service let me serve you pick each other up, we help each other because we've made that investment together in God's word in relationships immersed in love. And so as I end this sermon, I asked myself a question. And we'll put this up on the screen for you. Is there anything we can do to help improve our soil? Is there anything we can do to help improve our soil? And, and I believe... Mark has already given us the answer, and the answer is a resounding yes. Yes, there is. Starting in chapter 1, what did John the Baptist say? Repent. Believe the gospel. What did Jesus say? Time has been fulfilled. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Believe the gospel. That is, live a continuous life of repentance and faith towards God in Christ. That is the only response Jesus has been looking for and continues to look for. Peter and Andrew and James and John gave that response when they laid down their fishing nets and they began to follow Jesus. The soil of their life improved and they began then to grow. Matthew left behind his tax collecting business, threw a party for his friends, said goodbye, listen to this guy, he knows what he's talking about followed Jesus. The soil of his life improved. He followed. The family of Jesus? Not so much. I think the guy, what they say about Jesus? I think he's a lunatic. The religious leaders? He's got a demon. What happened to their soil? It remained rock hard in unbelief. 
But it's one thing to be called to repent, it's another thing to do it. And as I said earlier in this sermon, the parable is about both judgment and mercy. And let me tell you, there is great hope in mercy. There is great hope in mercy. The one Jesus who reversed the curse through his atoning death on the cross is the one then through his resurrection offers to you and me right now, at this moment, infinite amounts of grace to change the soil of our life. If we will turn to him, look to him, say, hey, I need some help here. I need some help here. A powerful, transformative grace is needed because of the apocalyptic message this parable delivers. Because two things are being revealed in this parable. And we're going to stick them on the screen to help you out. The first thing that's being revealed is that is conditions that already exist. You came in this room, your soil was in a condition that already existed. But conditions may change. So the parable reveals conditions that already exist and conditions that may come in the future to exist. You may have walked in this room this morning fully intending to listen to God's word, loving God's word, loving God's people. You're going to be back next week, but some care of the world may happen this coming week that steals the seed and your soil is not as receptive. Your boat might get filled up with water. Or you might be in this room this week having heard sermon after sermon after sermon. Or maybe never heard a sermon before. But now the Spirit of God is at work changing your life, changing your understanding. And in doing so, the condition of your soil changes. The power of grace that transforms. The seed of God's Word has been sown. It reveals conditions that are currently present and conditions which may come in the future we cannot drift into grace we must constantly be vigilant as elders we continue to lead you toward the kind of engagement with God's word that I hope will humble us and as we are humbled will improve our capacities to receive it we offer this large group gathering every week for worship and encouragement Adult Sunday School this coming week. Wednesday night, Lenten series begins this Wednesday, 6.30, down at St. James in the village of Fort Edward. Opening up your heart again to God's word and to prayer. Other things that happen, ladies' night out, other events taking place, putting you in context of relationships. But will you be like the people in the room? Asking the question, moving from this setting into the next setting so that the soil of your life continually is nurtured and cared for by the word of God. Will you joyfully follow us as we lead you into loving relationships that are immersed in the language of God's new creation? Friends, the future is Jesus Christ. Make no mistake. The future is Jesus Christ. But is the soil of your life receiving the seed of that truth? Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us uh, this morning. 
We thank you as it has been given out, not only here, but down at St. James earlier, that it would be received by faith and obedience. Thank you that you are the one, O oh God, to bring the miracle of new birth, to change our lives. And I pray that this day that miracle would be performed, a miracle by which we are transformed by grace. I'd like to give you an opportunity just to examine your heart in some quietness. If you lack understanding still, to know that there's people afterwards that you can talk to. But if you do understand, and you know what is being said, and you need to give some repentance this morning, I'd encourage you to do so. Let's be quiet before the Lord. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. You may freely copy and distribute this message, but please do so at no charge and without altering the contents in any way. For more information about Durkeytown, please visit our website at www.durkeytown.org.